Good morning from the newsroom of the Financial Times. Today is Monday, December 16th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Mexico is unhappy with how the U.S. is handling the new North American trade pact. Apple is going to face a shareholder vote on its human rights policies. And Boris Johnson is promising billions in investment for a part of the U.K. that helped deliver the Tories' sweeping victory last week. Plus, we'll take a look at why an extended deadline at the U.N. climate summit wasn't enough to lock down an agreement on carbon trading. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Last week, the U.S., Canada, and Mexico signed the deal that would replace NAFTA, the USMCA. But now Mexico is angry about the version of the deal that the U.S. Congress is looking at in the first step of its ratification process. Mexico is saying it didn't agree to some of the provisions in the bill. The FT's Jude Weber is in Mexico City. She has more. On Saturday, Mexico's chief negotiator for the USMCA, Jesus Seade, came out and said that Mexico was very upset with some of the things that were included in this bill and that they'd been slipped in without Mexico's knowledge. And he was flying on Sunday up to Washington to meet Robert Lighthizer, the U.S. trade representative, to iron out the differences. Now, the U.S. trade representative's office last week said very clearly that they wanted to send labor attaches, so diplomats, to the U.S. Embassy in Mexico. But Mexico has always rejected the idea of inspections. It says that the proper dispute resolution mechanism is via panels. Ultimately, I think most people expect the deal to go ahead, that we've come so far that it won't end at this juncture. And probably, you know, they will be able to save this, but it's certainly a very last minute hitch. Next year, Apple faces a vote that it doesn't really want. One that calls for the iPhone maker to publicly commit to respecting freedom of expression as a human right. It'll be on the ballot at its shareholder meeting, and it asks Apple to describe how it responds to government and other demands that might limit people's free expression or access to information. The proposal also asks Apple to provide details on how it creates policies relating to those two things. Apple has to hold this vote. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission denied Apple's request to block it earlier this month. This all comes after the Chinese government asked Apple to remove a crowdsourced mapping app from its app store. Hong Kong protesters were using the app to track police locations. Apple agreed to Beijing's request and deleted the app just days after approving it. Apple faced similar shareholder proposals in 2016 and 2018, which attracted very little support. But this one comes in the wake of a big bipartisan backlash in the U.S. over its actions in Hong Kong. The company says it was just following local laws, as it always does. And Boris Johnson is getting right to thanking parts of the U.K. that helped deliver a sweeping win by his conservative party last week. The prime minister will tell his newly elected MPs today that the government plans to direct billions of pounds of investment to the Midlands and north of England. These are areas that have long been held by Labour but voted for the Tories last Thursday, helping the Conservatives grab an 80-seat majority in the House of Commons. Mr. Johnson is also promising to immediately push ahead with Brexit. Not on Mr. Johnson's agenda, a referendum on Scottish independence, despite demands for one from north of the border. 
On Sunday, Scottish First Minister Nicola Sturgeon said the country cannot be, quote, imprisoned in the UK against its will. If the United Kingdom is to continue, then it can only be by consent. And if Boris Johnson is confident in the case for the union, then he should be confident enough to make that case and allow people to decide. This month, Ms. Sturgeon plans to submit a formal request to Westminster to approve a rerun of the 2014 independence referendum. Last time around, Scots voted against leaving the UK, but that was before Brexit. In that referendum, Scotland voted by 62 percent to stay in the EU. Before last week's election, Mr. Johnson rejected the idea of a second referendum. But the Scottish National Party won 48 of 59 Scottish seats in the UK Parliament. This could lead to a constitutional showdown between the SNP and Tories. And here's a story you should know more about. Back in 2015, 197 countries signed the Paris Climate Accord. The accord aims to limit global warming to well below 2 degrees Celsius. But it operates only by consensus. The idea was that the details would get worked out at future climate summits. And four years later, delegates were still trying to hammer out the details at this year's UN Climate Summit, also known as COP25. The fact that the U.S. is about to pull out of the Paris Agreement really put a damper over the proceedings this year. The FT's Leslie Hook was in Madrid for the summit. You had a lot of people in suits kind of looking exhausted. And outside the center on the Friday afternoon when the talks were supposed to conclude, you had the youth protesters in Extinction Rebellion blocking the road outside the conference center, just saying, you guys are moving too slow. And so I think that contrast was just way more visible this year than in any previous climate talks. The talks were supposed to end Friday, but extended into Sunday over Article 6 of the Paris Accord, how to handle carbon trading and carbon credits. Even with the extra time, they couldn't come to an agreement. Leslie explains why. Well, what the negotiators are trying to do is agree on a set of rules and an accounting system for how global credits can be traded and exchanged. The basic idea is that country A can pay country B some money, country B uses that money to plant a forest or install a solar farm, and then the emissions reductions credits that are generated transfer back to country A. So it's basically a sort of mechanism by which countries can pay each other to fund climate-friendly projects and that there's some kind of global ledger that's keeping this all in balance. And in some countries and environmental organizations argue that these credits shouldn't be allowed anymore. Why, why is that? Yeah, recently there has been a growing number of groups that say, forget about offsets. Their argument is that absolute emissions reductions are kind of the only thing that matters. As carbon dioxide emissions hit record highs again in 2019, buying offsets is a little bit like cheating that can distract countries from the main point, which is just to cut emissions. And carbon credits, just they can't just disappear. There are billions of them out there, according to the New Climate Institute. Who's arguing to keep this trading system and what do they have to lose if these credits go away? So under the Kyoto Protocol, which was adopted in 1997, 
there was something called the clean development mechanism. And the Kyoto Protocol created this clean development mechanism as a way for rich countries to pay poor countries for projects that would reduce emissions. Now that system was shown to be really inefficient, but those clean development mechanism credits still exist. And companies within Brazil, China, India have developed projects that have qualified for the clean development mechanism credits. Brazil and India in particular have been saying, look, we signed this agreement, the Kyoto Protocol, and we want these credits to still be valid in the new system that's going to be set up. And we don't want to let go of those. Now, the concern that's been raised by environmentalists and a group of countries, including the EU, is that this could flood the new system with a bunch of cheap old credits that don't really mean anything. So, Leslie, what does this mean for the Paris Climate Agreement and for Article 6? Article 6 is next going to be discussed at the climate talks in Glasgow. So this thorny issue is now being passed over to the UK because the UK will be the president of the climate talks next year. And the Paris Agreement will still go on. At the moment, the Paris Agreement, although it's definitely in force, is not really on track for success. The goal of the Paris Agreement is to limit global warming to well below 2 degrees Celsius. The world is not on track for that. So while the Paris Agreement will still exist, reaching that two-degree goal is looking harder and harder due to the incoherence of the political situation at the climate talks. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. 